Uh, man, it is um, it's good to be up here and get a chance to uh, uh, preach today. I am really excited about uh, some news that I heard this week. Uh, the O'Briens, Laurie and uh, um, uh, Alec O'Brien, uh, used to be uh, refuge members, and they ended up leaving because uh, Alec got a job out of town, and Laurie, Laurie got a job out of town, and, and so they left and took their family uh, to another state. And this, uh, so I still follow her on Facebook and on social media. And this week, uh, she said that she was singing that song that we just sang, Praise Forever to the King of Kings. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. And she was like, I don't know why I was singing this so much because uh, I'd had a really tough week and things have been going very difficult for me. And she said, but now I know why I was praising the Lord. She said, because her daughter, uh, Sarah, uh, became a Christian this week. Yes, she, and I, I have to tell you, if you were here and you know, knew Sarah when she was here, she was very quiet, reserved, and speak, did not interact with many people. And uh, it, is, I, it was literally just an overtime of overjoyment in my own heart uh, to know that, uh, that the Lord had awakened her to the gospel, the way that he had, moved, he had awakened her eyes and opened her eyes and removed the blinders, made her dead heart alive, and she repented and believed. That's good, good news. And uh, so she was singing that song. So we sang that. If you, I don't know, sometimes she watches, sometimes she doesn't. But if you were watching that, Laurie O'Brien, we're celebrating with you today. We're celebrating with your family today over the fact that uh, your precious daughter is now part of the kingdom of God. And so uh, uh, we'll, we'll just sit on that today and uh, enjoy that today. Amen, church? Yeah, that's good, good stuff. Hey, so uh, um, let me uh, jump in here and talk a little bit about something I've been watching. So I watch a TV show. Oh, we missed this thing up here. Let's see. I'm not getting my uh, uh, thing. There we go. So we'll say, here we go. Um, uh, we, uh, I watch a TV show called Ozark. Anybody watch that? Don't judge me. Uh, because, uh, but it is an interesting thing. Uh, the, the whole thing is an interesting thing. And every week, uh, on every episode, uh, kind of right as it starts, there's a thing that comes up with like four little symbols in the middle of the O, and it tells about what the show's going to be about. Uh, one, I never can hardly figure out what the symbols are, and I try to figure out what it's going to be in the show, and, and so it would tell a little bit about what the show was. So if we were talking about last week's sermon, and we were going to put up a symbol, and we would have four words from last week, what do you think they would be? That's a tough one because you can't even remember last week's sermon, right? <laughs> I know how this goes. I'll just help you. The four words from last week were probably hate. Remember that? Yeah. Why would we say hate? hate? No, why would we say that? <laughs> huh? Yeah, so we were talking about Jacob and Esau, right? And how he hated his brother. And, and so then ladder would be another one. Remember, I, there was a ladder right here. I climbed it last week multiple times. Uh, always was another word, and the last one would be grace. Those would be my four words from last week, okay? My words from this week are going to be this. Stone, kiss, ooh, seven, seven more, what? Kids, all right, that's it. That's, that's the words for this week. That's the sermon in a nutshell. If you can figure that out, uh, that's what it'll be. So let me read it, and you'll figure out maybe what it is. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 29. So if you want to turn there and follow along with me, you can. Uh, this is what the text has to tell us. 
Then Jacob went on his journey. So this was after the, uh, the vision that he had, after the dream that he had about the ladder and the angels going up and down. Remember, the angels are at work on his behalf. That's not him climbing the ladder or having him having to climb up to God, but the angels are always at work on his behalf. That's one of the truths we learned from last week, that God had them at work on Jacob's behalf no matter where he was or what he was doing. Remember that? Shake your head. Yeah. Even if you weren't here, go back and watch it. All right, verse 29. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well, the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large. And when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in the place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, my brothers... Where do you come from? They said, we are from Haran. He said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, we know him. He said to them, is it well with him? He said, they said, it is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, behold, it's still high in day, and it's not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. So typically there was a well, there was a stone up in front of it. And when all the people brought their flocks together, then somebody would roll the stone away from there and they would all water their flocks at the same time. Tracking with me? Yeah, good. Good. Verse 9. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel, look out, and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that, that was, Jacob told Rachel that he was his, her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And Jacob told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you not therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than, than that I should have to give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they, and they seemed to him only to be a few days because of the love he had for her. Sweet. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me, give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. And so, Jake, uh, so Laban gathered together all the peoples of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Dun, dun, dun. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said to him, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week for this one, and then I'll give you the other also in return for you serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went to Rachel also, went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. 
We'll stop the text there and we'll read the rest of it when we get to that point. But let's kind of jump into what all is happening in this crazy text. So God's gift to uh, Jacob as he was fleeing Esau to Haran was, again, this vision of this ladder. And it was filled with angels going up and up and down. Remember, it was always to remind him that God would always be with him. No matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, that God would always be with him in all of his endeavors. And and so God also was affirming to Jacob that uh, he was like, hey, you're in the patriarchal succession of the people that are going to end up being the people of Israel. Uh, You are, uh, uh, this is, you're part of the promise that I made to Abraham. And and, uh, remember from last Last week, this is what God told uh, Abraham. What was the word? Behold. Behold. Means pay attention. I got something to say. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. So he's like, I'm always going to be with you. I'm making the promise to you, and you just need to trust me in what it is that's going on. And because of this promise, Jacob knew that wherever he went, again, the latter would be with him. That means that God would always be with him, doing work on his behalf. And the place that he was, God was with him. And so in the practical terms, that's just the providential directing of God in our lives. You you tracking with that? That's what that means. It's no literal ladder. It just means that God is always at work on our behalf, on his behalf, on on behalf of his people. And so uh, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is not simply a God of miracles who occasionally kind of jumps in here and there. It means that God is always with us. God is far greater and God is far more involved in our lives than we could ever imagine or think. Amen? amen. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. And so what that means is there's a word, good theological word called omnipotence. Say that with me. Omnipotence. What that means is that means that God has unlimited power. The quality of who he is, it means he is unlimited in all his power and anything he can do. Do you believe that church? Yes. Yeah, he can believe that. We need to live like that. You and I need to live like people that believe that the God that we serve is an omnipotent God. He can do and he can be and he can do whatever he wants to choose anytime he chooses to do anything. He maintains our lives, he directs our lives, and it doesn't seem like he's interrupting our lives a lot, but he does interrupt our lives on from time to time. So an important note that you and I need to know about this thing. Jacob's understanding of this ladder or his involvement or his knowledge that God is always at work on his behalf doesn't mean that Jacob's life was complete and it doesn't mean that his faith would never waver, okay? Just because we know that God is with us, because even we believe that God is with us, because we state out loud that we believe that God is with us, doesn't mean that our faith is not going to waver from time to time. It does. It does for you. It does for me. It does in the middle of circumstances that we find ourselves in. You may be in the middle of it right now where your faith is absolutely wavering. But the reality is, is that God is always with you if you're a child of his. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So as we start chapter 29... Uh, Jacob is now, text tells us that Jacob is now traveling from Bethel uh, to Haran. And what we already know about Jacob, uh, we, could under, we could say that Jacob is a piece of work, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he is a piece of work, kind of like me, kind of like you. Uh, he, he's kind of a piece of work, but he is a work in progress too, amen? Yeah, he, God is always working. He's still working. Yeah, he is always, God's always working on Jacob no matter what. 
Uh, so what takes place in today's text and the following storyline that we read today is kind of the educating and the equipping and the completing of Jacob as a servant of God. So the first nine verses that we read here in chapter 29 uh, talks about um, uh, him going on his journey. This first section of the story, he encounters this well, and he's like, okay, well, well God's brought me to this well, and I think it's always important anytime we, uh, 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 we see a well, is this going to be the place that God's going to meet with me? Is this going to be the place? Because here's a, a place of, uh, of, of nourishment, so is this going to be the place? And, and J- then Jacob noticed the shepherds, and he saw the shepherds over there, and he's like, okay, what are you dudes doing? And they're like, we're just here to water our, our livestock, you know? We're, we're here to kind of wait on somebody to roll the stone away from the well, and, and, and we could we, we'd do it if the wa- if, if that could, if they'd show, if the rest of the people would show up, then we could water our livestock. And then he exchanged some pleasantries, and they talked back and forth, and then all of a sudden, they were like, oh my goodness, who is that coming out of the distance? It's Rachel. And so I dug through some archives and found a picture of Rachel. Like, she was really pretty. Look, this is her. <laughs> Just entertaining myself up here. All right, back to the text. Verse 10. Look what verse 10 says. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well, the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and, went and wept aloud. So here's the scene. Jacob sees Rachel coming in the distance, and he's like, wowzers, she's beautiful. I mean, she is something to my eyes. I like what I see. And so she's really, really pretty. And so you know how your, uh, your kids used to, would show out for you whenever they're little? You know, they would go and do stuff. They, they would want to show you that they're really strong or they're really fast. Like, hey, show me how fast you can run over that door and back. You're like, you're trying to wear them out so they'll go to bed at night. You know, just anything that you can do to get them to burn some energy. Uh, so that's almost what I see happening is, you know, kids will show us how high they can jump or how tall they are or how big their muscles are or how strong they are. Or, and so Jacob was, and that was Jacob's go-to. I'm going to show you how strong I am. And so this is how I envision it. So he like sees Rachel coming and she's really beautiful. And he's like, well, man, she's got some things that need to be watered. And so nobody's rolling that stone away. So I'm going to run over here and I'm going to roll this stone away. Watch me roll this stone. And so he likes like, huh? Now, Rachel, you can water your, you can water your cattle right here and I'll just see what I did for you. Huh? See? Yep. So that's what he was doing. He was like, Hey, just look at me, just what I did for you. Yeah, there's no water running over there anyway. And so he was like, I'll show out for her because she's so beautiful. I'll do whatever it takes to get her attention. Whatever it takes, I'll get her attention. And the the text tells us that once he watered her, uh, once he watered her livestock, what did he do? He got bold and did what? Kissed her right in the mouth. Boom. He, he wasn't playing around. He was like, wow, that girl could kiss too. Uh, it's actually just, all right, so I'm going to be serious. Uh, so this is the only note in the Bible, uh, only time in the Bible uh, where we read that a man kissing a woman is not his wife or his mother. Only time. That's just a note. That's, just, that's for trivia pursuit at some point for you. Uh, but really, uh, 
Jacob was overcome with emotion. That's what this was about. I mean, he had, he had seen her, he had encountered her, and he was overcome with emotion, and that's why he pursued her in, in the way that he was. I mean, he had found out that this was part of his family, and, uh, you know, he had now won the Festivus strength, uh, competition of strengths and, and won that by rolling the stone away, and uh, he kissed his cousin, and he wept. And he was maybe wondering, is God finally fulfilling this thing that he had promised to me? Is God really showing me what it was that he told me he promised that he would do for me? Is he fulfilling the promise that he promised to me at some point? What's God promised you? What has God promised you? What, what are the promises of God that you're seeing or you're experiencing today? There's some that we should know that, that we get to experience on a regular basis as followers of Jesus. One is this from Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. God says, it doesn't matter what situation you might find yourself in. That's part of this whole text that we're understanding uh, from this story is that God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's not a God who comes in, saves us, and then, beat, and then scrams. He's the guy who is always with us. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll tell, he tells us this in 2 Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Who's protecting you against your enemy, the, the devil? Yeah, the text tells us that God is protecting us against the evil. He will guard you against the evil one. 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this and says this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in my weakness. So when you're weak, the scripture says when we're trusting God, that God's power is made perfect in my own weakness. Feeling weak today? It's a great place for God's power to be made perfect in you. In Ephesians, Paul talks about this. It says, you have my strength. You may have strength to comprehend. That's you. You and I may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that you may be filled with the fullness of God, that you and I as Christians are always being filled with the fullness of God. We don't have to walk through empty. We don't have to run on empty. We don't have to live our lives just hoping that God will come and do something for us. He promises to do those things for you and me, despite sometimes how we're living. Let's get back to the text. Verses 9 through 14 uh, so Rachel takes Jacob to meet her father. So they go and they meet him and, and they uh, told each other who they were. And Rachel's father Laban said, surely you're a bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and kick off your sandals here for a while and just stay back and stay a while. And, and so that's what he did. And, and so Jacob at this point might've been thinking back to the vision of the ladder again. And you know, the, the God's promise to protect him and God's promise to provide for him and God's promise to, to, to put him in a place. And he's maybe he's like, man, you put me in a place to, to meet this beautiful woman. And now I'm, I'm meeting her father, and, and so Jacob was welcomed in by Uncle Laban, and, and so he's like, man, things are going really well for us, and it literally seemed like the gates of heaven were opening up for him, and, and things are going really well, and you know, this, this is, man, this is God's, this is provision for me, and he's doing really good stuff for me, but they didn't play out the way exactly that Jacob probably thought they would. See, Jacob needed uh, some substance to him. Listen, Jacob needed some substance to him. Jacob needed some trimming. Jacob needed some refining. Jacob needed a compassionate spirit. Remember the story about Jacob? 
Jacob wasn't the most stand-up guy in the world. Jacob needed to experience a little bit of pain. Jacob needed some humility. Jacob needed to grow in his faith. Jacob needed to stop trusting in just himself. Some of you are probably experiencing some of those same kinds of things in your life. Refining. Pain. Humility. Stretching your faith. Learning to trust God. Proverbs 3 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. What does that tell you, church? Trust with all your heart, not just times and places when you come to church on Sundays, when you happen to remember to pick up your Bible and read it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It means all your being. Do not lean on your own understanding. Don't think you're too smart to figure things out on your own. You're not. You'll mess it up. We all mess it up. We need God's wisdom. We need God's insight. We need the spirit of God to guide us in the right ways. In all our ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. He'll make it obvious the things that you should do. He'll make it obvious the places you should go. He'll make it obvious the things that you should say. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. The text goes on and says, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't think you know it all. For the Lord, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Who doesn't need that? Text goes on at this point, and this is kind of where the sinister deception occurs. Jacob falls in love with Rachel. And he offers to serve Laban for seven years uh, in exchange for ending up getting getting a chance to marry her. But hang on just a minute. Laban had two daughters, right? Who were they? Rachel and who? Leah, yeah. Jacob loved who? Yeah, Jacob loved Rachel, uh, not Leah, the older sister. Uh, This is almost as scandalous as the crown. Uh, uh, The Bible tells us uh, why that he didn't love Leah, it says what? Leah's eyes were weak. That's, isn't that an interesting way that the Bible describes her? Uh, the Bible says that her eyes were weak. And then it says this, Leah's eyes were weak, uh, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. We've already seen a picture of her. Uh, most, most commentators agree uh, that when, when the Bible describes it this, that it means that her eyes had no sparkle or glow or no hustle and flow. Uh, uh, she just, she just kind of were just kind of dead eyes. That's kind of the way that I read it and understand what these commentators would say. Uh, so again, Jacob loved Rachel. Uh, so seven years, uh, Jacob agreed to serve uh, Laban so he could marry Rachel. And, and verse 20 tells us that those seven years seemed like only a few days because of the love he had for Rachel. Now this is really a cute story, right? I mean, he loved her so much that seven years just went by just like that. I mean, they were 
fast and he would never have known it. And he's like, man, this is almost here. And then he thought, maybe those angels are sending and descending and they're making my days seem like hours. My hours seem like minutes. My minutes seem like seconds. Uh, and then, you know, he was like, I know I can do this. I actually have a picture of, of Jacob whenever he was walking through this. this. This is him wearing a shirt. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But anyway, that's... Sorry, that's my own take on that. Uh, uh, um, so this is where the story takes a twist. By the way, that's not anything about what you're talking about. That's all about uh, church discipline. We'll talk about that later. The text goes on, and verse 20 says this, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is complete. And so he was like, Hey, man, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I've served you for seven years. Um, and, and so Laban says, I'm going to host the wedding feast. And he said, that's fine. We'll, we'll go on with what we talked about. We'll host the wedding feast. And, and, and so the typical wedding feast during that time would be this big procession uh, toward the bride's dwelling that, they, that the groom and the bride would go to. And, and there's a, a reading of this marriage contract typically is what would happen. And, and the, the feast would be attended by both families and and, and so at the end of the day, uh, it ended with the groom typically wrapping his cloak around the bride and escorting her back to where the quarters where they were going, the, the marriage was going to be consummated. And then the feast would happen and the party would last another six days after the wedding day uh, and then after the consummation of the wedding. That's not the way we do it today, but that's the way it would happen in those uh, times that it would, uh, would happen. They'd just have a big party. I think that's, where, uh, that's the roots of where refuge was born. Uh, uh, but then we read in verse 23, it says this, but in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and he went into her. And then yada, yada, yada. And then you get to verse 25 and in the, wait a minute. And then in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Now, can you imagine? In the morning, it was Leah. I mean, you might have looked like this. <laughs> or this. Or this. <laughs> so I'm sure Jacob was like, what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? We don't really know, but evidently, uh, Laban had used the veiling of the bride, obviously, to do the old switcherooski, right? Uh, to bring in his older daughter in place of his younger daughter at the time. And, I mean, can you imagine waking up the next morning and you're laying there and sun peeks through the window and Jacob rolls over to his beloved and there was old weak-eyed Leah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean what, what do you think he... What do you think he said to her? I mean, I can only imagine the things he said to her the night before. <laughs> and now, I mean, this is like Jerry Springer ugly. Uh, uh, nonetheless, Leah was his wife now, okay? The text tells us that you are stuck with Leah at this point. I mean, what betrayal? What hurt? I mean, what kind of embarrassment would you be in the middle of? I mean, everybody involved. What kind of anger and rage would you be if, if you're Jacob? Jacob went to Laban and he says, 
What is this you've done to me? Did I not serve with you? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? So the deceiver is asking, Why'd you deceive me? Kind of when the story becomes full circle. The word deceived is the same uh, idea that describes um, Jacob's deception of Esau when he stole Esau's birthright. Why did you deceive me? At last, Jacob knew what it's like to be on the other end of the hammer. Jacob knew what it was like to be on the other end, on the receiving end of being deceived. He could understand Esau's rage against him at this point. In the text, Laban speaks again. He says this, Laban says, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete this week with one, and we'll give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. And Jacob went silent. He knew the cost to be with the one that he loved. So he served another seven years for Rachel. So we've been through about 15 years in our text so far today. But the text tells us that after those seven years that Jacob married Rachel. And verse 30 says this, so Jacob went in. Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. They all lived happily ever after the end, right? No, the text tells us that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. What a recipe for misery. I mean, you're, I mean, we're already in sister wives situation and one is beautiful and one is not beautiful in the same house. Where's the ladder? I mean, at, at this point, if you're Jacob, aren't you going, where's the ladder? Where is God? Why in the world am I here? Why am I in this situation? I found a woman I loved. I fell in love with her. I got tricked into marrying her ugly, dead-eyed sister. And now I've got two wives. And I love the younger more than I do the older, but there's all this strife that's going on. Where was the ladder? The ladder was still there. God was still with him. God would not leave him until he promised him everything that he had promised him to do. The covenant of God was still at work every day in the life of Jacob, even though he couldn't see it. What are you talking about, uh, Pastor? Well, let's read, go back to our text, and let's read and see what it says in verse 31. So when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren, and Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. And again, she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time a husband will be attracted to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore, his name will be called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Twelve sons and four daughters 
uh, 12 sons and one daughter would be born to the four women between the, uh, Rachel and Leah and actually their uh, servants that were there. Uh, eight would come from the unloved Leah and her handmaid. Despised Leah was the mother of the kingly tribe of Judah and the priestly tribe of Levi. Who comes from those tribes? Yeah, we've got Moses, David. Remember those names, the Old Testament? Those are kind of big names. And then Jesus. They come from that line of unloved Leah. See, here's what we need to learn from this. God's work goes on amidst human failure. Everybody needs to exhale. I'm pretty happy about that. God's work goes on amidst, in the middle of, not despite, not once it's been taken care of, not once it's been reconciled. In the middle of human failure, God's work goes on. In the middle of you and me failing, what happens? God's work goes on. God's work continues. God's ladder, it's always active. Sometimes it's blessing, sometimes it's discipline. But God's work goes on amidst, right in the middle of our failure. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says this, For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. See, I believe that, that God brought this deceiver Laban into deceiver Jacob's life so that this sin might be put on full display and he might be cut to the heart. See, Laban was actually an instrument in Jacob's life to cut him to the heart, to let him see that I've sinned greatly. I sin not only against people, but I sinned against God. Jacob needed to change. God was calling Jacob to something bigger than who he was. Jacob needed to be uh, formed and reformed and molded into the image of God that God wanted him to be. He would be changed. It just wouldn't happen overnight. But he would change. Who would he become? What's his name become? Israel. He becomes the father of many nations. Because God' work goes on amidst, in the middle of human failure. In the middle of your failure, God is at work. You think you've blown it? God is at work. You think that you don't have another chance? God is at work. You think that God can't use somebody like you? God is using you and and informing you and changing you despite you. That God loves us enough that he continues to form us and shape us even whenever we're sinning against him. See, what about today, preacher? Does he really do that for us? Uh, Jesus said that. John chapter 1, verse 51, he says, but there's always commerce going on between me and, and the world. The world and me and my father, there's always commerce that's going on. See, you and I face some hard times today. But the the text tells us that God is always at work on our behalf. We can't always see the ladder when things aren't going well. We wonder if it's there when it's time that we have to pay the piper. That comes from time to time, right? Our sin sometimes causes us to have to pay the piper. Is it really there, though, when there's hard times and 
hard people in our lives? It is. And God's work seems to be even more intense in our lives towards us in those times of difficulty. Maybe you have harsh people in your lives today. Maybe, maybe you've got a Laban in your life today who's out to deceive you or, or to, to, to cause some disruption in your life. Or maybe you've got judgmental people in your life. Or, or maybe you've got untruthful people in your life. Maybe you're someone, you're here and you're crying for continual relief. Where do I find relief? How do I get some relief from what all is going on in my life today? It's those times we have to keep crying and crying out for God to be our helper. It's often said and wrongly said that God will not give you more than you can handle. I loathe that saying. See, God will give you more than you can handle so that you and I will completely trust in him. This story 14 years? A dead-eyed lady that he's not even in love with? Sometimes you go, how do you handle that? What do you do? You continue to trust the one who's faithful. There's a song that's appropriate for someone, people who are hurting that people who are having difficulty, which is some of you, all of us have difficulty. We sing it here often. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross and wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Let's pray.